Hello and welcome to the Secret Source podcast where we open source the secret source. My name is Alessimo Mwanga and I'm the co-founder of Power Africa and I've worked as a strategy and project consultant to Founders Factory Africa. Joining me today for this episode is Paystack Startup Program Lead, Nubi, Ayotunde, Partnerships Lead at Founders Factory Africa, and Sashin, who's the head of Founders Factory Africa Partnerships at Standard Bank. Welcome, everybody. It would be great for you to guys, you guys to introduce yourself to the audience. Maybe let's start with Sashin. Awesome. Thanks for having me. So my day-to-day includes working with founders through our Founders Factory Africa Partnership and looking at how do we grow these innovative businesses, but also look at potential commercial partnerships with the bank. And yourself, Newbie? Yeah, so what I do at Paystack is really to lead a startup programs initiative, and it's really about like engaging and enabling with enabling startups. We go beyond the remit of just saying, oh yeah, yeah, APIs, use them, but seeing what other growth levers exist that we can actually help them toggle whether directly or with partners um, in the ecosystem. So again, it's down to again enabling, uh, engaging first and then enabling startups to grow. Fantastic. Ayo? Right. So my role is to find commercial value for our startups. And it, it starts, bec- and because we invest and build startups early, it goes from helping them figure out market insights, helping them figure out pilots for product validation, all the way to partnerships for distribution, asset partnerships, and revenue partnerships. So it's finding value for our startups. We've asked you to join us on the Secret Source episode because you and the teams you work with in your organizations have contributed to a corporate and startup playbook recently published by Founders Factory Africa. In summary, the playbook aims to help founders improve their odds of attracting and closing commercial and partnership deals. But also, I think the playbook will prove useful to corporates looking to back or leverage on startup innovation. So I guess my first question to you all would be, why was it so important for you to come together as organizations to provide this guide or tool to founders? Maybe let's start with Ayo. Right. So a bit of background. So like Sashin, I used to work in a bank and we we would have startups come to us all the time and just present their ideas and say, hey, we want a partnership. But there was never any translation of what the value is to the bank. And so and then when I crossed mm. over to Founders Factory, I realized this was a problem and that our founders were not communicating value to their potential partners. And it was just tough to move partnerships from one place to the other. And so the idea was to create a tool that we can put in the hands of founders at, so that they can do partnerships at scale. And we don't, it's, it's basically teaching founders how to fish instead of helping them fish all the time. That's why I we decided to do this, and that's why I bullied Nubi and Sashin into this. So Sashin, your reasons. 
as a corporate? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I touched on it. We we thought that, you know, having a guide that assists both corporates and startups in, in formalizing effective partnerships. And I touched on it earlier. We spoke about, you know, value for everyone in the partnership and having a guide and a methodology and a sort of a map to navigate through these complex relationships was important. I think I also mentioned earlier that partnerships between two spectrums of businesses there's a massive language barrier. It's like going to another country and speaking <laughs> and trying to speak the local tongue. Yeah. I mean, using a lot of sign language and a, and a lot of things in between. So trying to close that gap from a communication perspective and a, and a method of, of, of speaking to each other in a way that you both understand because what corporates want and what startups are looking for are two different things. Yeah. And they might be in the same line at some point in time, but it's about closing that gap and bridging that gap and giving uh, both corporates and startups tools in order to do that. Nubi, I'd love to hear your perspective. Yeah, so the startup programs at Paystack has just been up and running for, yeah, like a year and a half. And the first three months I, I mean, once the team was stood up, like I pretty much went on a, on a road show, just talking to founders and ecosystem partner, um, partners as to what's what 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 they, what they need, and for for a growth lever like the partnerships kept coming up over and over again. And if you look at again the inbound that we get, about thirty five percent of inbound is funding related, but the next thirty percent is partnership related, and people are sort of mm-hmm. looking for a way to leverage partnerships. But then, when you look at the approach and the ways, like there's just a myriad of of ways in which people actually like seek mm-hmm. partnership. Some are clear, some are unclear, some don't really know what they're asking for, but hope you can figure it out together. Some have clarity, but then perhaps they are talking to the wrong persons. So it just became very imperative to actually again, find a way to help educate and again, like like such as said, provide this, like again a way to navigate this because it's it's quite tricky. It's tricky waters here. A startup who's again going at a different pace, trying to have sort of an objective, perhaps have investors who have KPIs that are waiting for them to deliver on, and then switching mm. gears to go then talk to a corporate to say, okay, let's work together to achieve set goals and stuff. So I think this was actually, again, more of a game, can we actually help the founders navigate these waters and actually use like real examples, case studies, and again, talk to people in the corporates and the startup side in, oh. in a, a founders factory that we work with again, a lot of startups um, to, to see again, can we actually like synthesize this in a way that again, you can actually like at least better your odds, if you will, when it comes to actually engage mm. these partnerships, yeah. I guess there are several types of partnerships that founders should research to identify the right partnership model fit for their business. And what are some you could mention in Africa that are great case study examples? I think maybe we can start off with you, Ayo. Right. So I think one, I will defer to Sashin to talk more on them, but I think the float pays standard bank partnership has been a great success in in that mm-hmm. it's leveraged Floatbit's capabilities uh, along with Standard Bank's reach and distribution to provide a service to an area mm-hmm. where for what for reasons Standard Bank wasn't able to reach those level of customers, but Floatpays has provided the tool and the avenue to reach that. And because of Standard Bank's large reach, it's a great partnership that has worked really well. And so I think that is one example that I would mm. point to earlier. Yeah. Okay. So Sashin, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean I think it's a it's a it's a really good question. 
having a set partnership model in mind, I, I think I would I would stay away from that at the mm. get go. I, I mean, understand what your business and your capabilities are and what you're trying to deliver. But when you go into a partnership, I think it's essential to be open minded mm. and let the conversation flow. Because on day one, what a partnership looks like to day 30 might be very different and you don't want to close yourself off to any opportunities that's li- that sits in between. Mm. I did mention a, a really good partnership we have with a business called Floatbase mm. and just like that, it started where, you know, we wanted to understand the impact of this business and it, mm. it's it sort of steamrolled into something else and it stumbled onto a new problem to solve. So I think having a fixated idea on what that actual partnership looks like would actually be de- detriment to the to the startup or the founder, but also you don't need to you you need to not give away what you stand for. So have in your mind what your boundary lines and your boundary conditions are, and that's going to drive success as you move forward. I think there's tons of examples across Africa with regards to successful partnerships, whether it's co-branding of certain payment gateways or, you know, Flutterwave is out there that's done some amazing stuff. So I think there's interesting examples, but, you know, the guidelines Mm. are that, you know, don't be close to potential opportunities, Mm. but also don't lose your identity as a startup. I definitely agree with you on the interesting examples. I guess I can bring Newbie in here because I know Paystack has various channel partnerships, strategic partnerships. Newbie, do you want to speak on that or would you rather look at sharing other examples of case studies that you think are really amazing right now? Yeah, I mean, Paystack partnership is like pretty much the bedrock of how we operate. Like, I mean, for payments, like it's really hard to be a solo player or be an island. You have to work with financial partners, whether it be banks, mobile money operators, and even fintechs as well who are building even on, on the infrastructure that we, that we work that we that we build as well, so it's 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 very critical to to again explore these kind of partnerships. I, I would say I would say one that comes to mind is on, on Paystack. Like you, you can start up as a startup business and then you. I mean, you, you like a, like a sole, sole proprietary. I, I don't know what the te- terminologies are I know in, in many countries, but just like an unregistered like solopreneur or just one person started starting a mm. mobile shop, you don't have to register anything. It's just in your name. But then, as your business grows, like you want to register the company, you want to open up open a bank account, you mm-hmm. want to do all those kind of things. Uh, we've been able to explore partnerships that make those things quite seamless and right in the flow of again you taking payments. So at, at any point in time, you mm-hmm. can say, okay, do you know what? This has gone from being a side project to now my core business. I want to actually like register a business and there and there on the paystack flow, you can actually do that. Uh, so that's one, part, one, one kind of mm-hmm. partnership where it's like, okay, for us, it's taking people from again like startup businesses to register businesses but for that partner that is offering that incorporation services and things like that it's also them getting distribution to this pool of paystack merchants that they would have they would have gotten access to in the first place so i think it's it's again exploring again value exchanges and like i think Sachin was talking about it or i i they that's been value for 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 both players, and I think again that's one example of a great partnership that is not is not loud, is not really like it's not in the press or anything, but it's a small that small partnership is allowed for that again small service provider to now access to like eighty thousand odd merchants that they can actually offer these incorporation services to, and for Paystack 
we can offer value add from moving people from again startup businesses to website businesses where they can actually scale, adopt even more products and services, get access to credits and things like that. So I would say that's one example of a partnership that I think really works well. Yeah. Interesting, newbie, that you touched on different uh, models that include business to business models as well as business to consumer models. So controversially, studies suggest that most technology startups, particularly in Africa, should focus more on B2B models as opposed to B2C models for success. So I think I want to bring an eye on this one. From your experience, what are your views on this? Do you think technology startups should focus on more B2B models or B2C models? I don't think there is a com I don't think there is a one size fits all for this. I think it's important to figure out mm. what is important and what helps your startup scale at every point in time and to do an assessment mm. of what kind of partnerships will lead to scale. And that is what would then determine if you should go the mm. B2B or B2C. But so it's constant appraisal of your existing partnerships to see if they're delivering value. And then it's also reviewing mm. where do you want to go next and what kind of partnerships will be impactful for that. And so it would it's beyond just B2B and B2C. It's looking at, do I need distribution partners? Do I need channel partners? Do I need revenue partners? Do I need strategic partners to be able to move forward in that? So it's not just the B2B or B2C playbook, more how do what kind of what specific type of partnerships along those themes do I need to be focusing on to get to the next stage of traction and growth? Um, Sashin, your views? Yeah, I mean, I think when you when you're building a business or your technology startup, you should focus on what problem you're trying to solve before choosing a, a business operating model, right? Whether mm. it's B two C or B two B. And and those things evolve. As you learn more, you might realize that a B2B model is more fit because of the way you've built your tech or the way the market is consuming your technology. So in my view, I think start with the problem. Mm. And if you're solving a real problem, then you're going to find fit in however your operating model starts panning out. Mm. The, the one thing that's really interesting in this space is that you know a lot of people say that B2B models are the more chosen approach is because there's more scale on B2B. You're accessing mm. more people, you know, at the, at the same time. So you're going through B2B and you're accessing a bunch of distribution through that model. But, mm. I mean, my guidance is always focus on the problem and then work from there. I like that, focus on the problem. I think both you, Ayotunde, and uh, Sashin raised really, really valid points when it comes to choosing the right model. The next part would be what you would think are the common misconceptions that founders and corporates have regarding commercial partnerships. Newbie, I don't know if you want to share from your experiences what you think some of the common misconceptions of partnerships could be. If you come to mind, I think there's part of assumption from startups that corporates have it all figured out. And so it's more like, oh, I, I beg you to please partner with me. You are the all, you are all big, and you figured everything out, and just give me a chance. And and it coming with that mindset is somewhat defeating because, like then, it's it's just like an uphill battle from there. But I think it's it's always good to just again identify that yes, these are large organizations. Yes, they have a lot of experience. Yes, they have a lot of capabilities. But the thing about being big as well is that things start to break. 
And so it's really finding those pressure points and where things break and seeing how you, who are now, you're now a specialist. I mean, they're, they're more of a generalist now and are pretty much like juggling many things and trying to put out many fires. And so you are a specialist who are coming as and saying, okay, I'm good at this. I can work with you. We can together add more value and actually like take care of this specific, very like defined scope of, of opportunity. So I think it, that's one misconception. So like people just think, oh, everything is all bloomy and rosy with corporates. And so it's like you're really begging to be given a chance as a startup when the case is that, you know, you could really like offering a lot of value. And we've seen corporates who actually like, again, just like, like, I think they were saying, like, get access to a new category of customer that they wouldn't have gotten in, in the first place. And that actually significantly, like, it really helps helps them um, when it comes to, like, just their balance sheet for the end of the year. And that's because they actually work mm-hmm. with a startup on that, on that front. And so I think that's one misconception. I think another another that quickly comes to mind is just from a stakeholder, like, engagement point of view, like, just... There's like, oh, I need to talk to the CEO and until I do that, nothing's going to happen. Uh, I think that's always like that bottom, I'm sorry, top to bottom kind of like approach. Let me talk to the, the most senior person. I think that's that's is a misconception like because the thing is that the influencers might not be that up, but they, their voices, their influence is just a lot, I mean, it carries a lot of weight to how a partnership actually goes. So who's actually, who's doing the buying, who's in the recommending, whose voice do, is actually like respected and influenced, whose who's promotion depends on on, on certain <laughs> metrics like if he is moving. I think again, when you start opening up that, that up, then you start saying, oh, wait a minute, it might not be the CEO, it might actually be just the, the tech lead or mm-hmm. the team, the, the the head of procurement or the C, the chief security officer mm-hmm. who just just at a breach and so is the one who will be out in the market looking for like security tools and software that you've built. So I mm-hmm. think it's really just again stepping back to say, okay, who 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 do I need to speak to for this actually work and not being normal. I think just it's just a CEO or the or yeah the the chair or the the GM or, or people up there who might be very much mm-hmm. removed from from the nitty gritty mm-hmm. of where where you are looking to add value, yeah. Mm, I really like that, focusing on speaking to the right people. I'd love to hear your views on this, Sheen, from a corporate perspective. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a there's a bunch of them. You know, kind of looking at, at, at I think Doobie mentioned some important points around having access to the right people mm-hmm. that's going to enable you. I think what you find out there is a lot of startups start with LinkedIn <laughs> and they look for title of CEO and then they start pinging messages <laughs> and there's no responses after months and months. So I think, you know, having access to the right people mm. uh, is important. I I also think an, another misconception is that corporates are closed for business. Corporates are open for business. I think we just need to access the right people and get your message across succinctly. So, you know, you don't have to try and oversell. Uh, it's more about finding that, that common point and, and being clear around what you're trying to solve and what you potentially could bring to the table. Mm. I think adding all that fluffiness on the outside really does create confusion because that way you, you're selling everything that's that's potential, right? So mm. I think somehow, you know, you got you to just be clear and succinct around your messaging and what you're trying to do and how you can partner. So have a clear strategy in mind when approaching a, a corporate. I mean, there's lots of information out there on many corporates. Going to the website and having a look at what they do and what they're all about, you you won't go wrong uh, mm. having having looked at that. But I think I, I, I mentioned it earlier is 
corporates and startups speak very different languages. Corporates speak about scale and you know large distribution and big balance sheets and those sort of things. Where startups are, you know, they speaking more like. We found this challenge. We are uh, we've proved that this is a problem. We've built something to resolve it. And if you look at just simple language, the gap between those two are very vast. So mm. you know, having that in mind creates a lot of additional questions and misconceptions. Mm. So I think understanding your audience and having no or, or speaking in a language that they understand might mm. take you a long mm-hmm. way. Having said that, what Sashin had just described as, you know, one of the misconceptions, what do you think, Ayo, is the best way for founders to engage with potential commercial partners? When is the right time? So the right time is different because corporates all have different times and budget sessions and so on and so forth. But um, Sashin and Nubi touched on something really important earlier. I think what startups do and the mistake they make is they think they're pitching to a company. And actually, no, you're not. What You're pitching to an individual in the company. So you need to identify what I call the right champion within the organization who will move that opportunity and that solution from point to point. Because this, even if you have the best solution and the corporate is involved, there's still a ton of bureaucracy involved be too close to integrate. So you need someone, like Nubi said, whose promotion and KPIs depend on that. That is the best way to go about it. And that person will guide you as to the timing and as to understanding and as the timing and navigating how to move that solution towards the close. I think that's really the most important thing. So yes, you have a great solution. It fits into the organization. You've done all that research. The next part is identifying who within the organization has will take the initiative. And it's always based on whom your solution makes look good in the organization. That way you have that and then you can drive And there will be frustrations and so on, but that person will guide you through it because your solution is important to them and it makes them look good. I think that's the best way to navigate it because their budget, Mm -hmm. like, yes, you could present, you could say, right, it's good to present to start to, to corporates during budget sessions or strategy sessions at the end of the year. However, sometimes it could be beginning of the year and you're in August you have to figure out how to do all of that. So it's, mm. again, having that right champion to guide you through that process and to help you go through the bureaucracy that I guarantee you will happen. <laughs> as you, <laughs> that I guarantee you will happen <laughs> as you're signing agreements. Bureaucracy I, could be a good yeah, thing. Yeah, but, yeah, but I guarantee you it will happen. <laughs> and there is, a, and even when you've signed an agreement, I have a an opportunity now. We've signed mm-hmm. we signed the agreement in November. We're still in the process of integrating mm-hmm. and deploying now, just because there's so much that goes aboard. If you have the right product champion, then yeah, great. Like, but if you don't, if it's just a nice to have for the person, then mm-hmm. they're not as motivated to help you push it through and help you get mm-hmm. over the hump of those frustrations and that bureaucracy. So yeah. Uh, that's how I. That's how. That, mm. That's what I would mm, recommend. Mm, so that's really valuable. I think just out of summary, timing is important. Uh, finding the right champion 
is important aligning your objectives to somebody's KPI could get you in the door. So these are very, very valuable inputs that we're getting from our guests today. I think we've spoken a lot about founders and what founders should do better and giving tips to founders on how to close commercial deals. But it's always great to learn from people that do this on an everyday basis. And this is why we have you guys here today. So um, as representatives of different organizations, what would be your organization's approach to corporate partnerships? And maybe I can bring Newbie into this one. Yeah, at the government partnership, I'm using the word corporate strategy very loosely here. I mean, partnerships perhaps is more accurate for how I would look at this. I guess that's we try to fight that fight to make the case that Paystack is not a corporate yet. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think on our side, like we, we try to at least optimize for who, what stakeholder on the team should own certain kind of partnerships. So we have different kind of partnerships, for example, we have like channel partnerships and we have a team within the sales organization or revenue organization that, that manages that. So those are again our platform partners or dev shops and all who, again, we we distribute Paystack as a product through. And so they, again, will own that relationship from engagement, to, uh, from outreach to engagement, to uh, onboarding and things like that. And see so now we could support and work with them. And people could actually inbound and say, okay, I, I want to be a ch- channel partner as well. So we've tried to at least define like swim lanes that different startups could actually come and become partners with us. Um, we, I, me and my team, we have ecosystem partners. So these are your VCs, accelerators, including Father's Factory, who we partner with. And again, any other VC or any other accelerator, even a startup could just say, oh, I want to nominate my, 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 invest, my investor as a partner as well. So we just try to look out again, what, what ways, what, what kind of like um, partnerships can exist that benefits Paystack and, and benefits the startup? And in what domain would that fall under? And uh, can we actually just create a way in which this inbounds could happen? Uh, what I'd say, a website with a form or, or a particular like, recurring event that we have where we can actually meet them in person and things like that. So, uh, and of course, like again, when things come in through the, the, the general channel, whether it's support at Paystack or, or sales at Paystack, we also can triage to the right teams as well. To say, oh, by the way, this is actually a partnership that has to do with like marketing, for example, and we pass that on to marketing, or this has to do with our event, we pass that on to our events team, or this has to do with like, again, a, a product partnership, you know, that's our developer relations team. So we try to triage for those that don't come through the sets like ways. To, yeah. and, and so that, that's how at least for us on our side we look at partnerships. Yeah. I think Sushi in the audience would be very keen to hear from a corporate perspective what your approach is to corporate partnerships at Standard Bank. Yeah, I mean I think it's a it's an interesting question because you know corporate or, or commercial partnerships come in different forms, right? If you look at a big corporate and they're looking to build out a solution, they're going to look at a, a development partner to build that solution out together with. Whereas there's a different form of partnership where you, you're you getting access to a, a, a technology startup out there that's solving a problem that's on the, crowd, on the ground that you don't know exists. So the way the partner comes through the ecosystem is also important because the outcomes are, are different on both. So... You know, from from our perspective, you know, what we've seen is that working with businesses that are solving, so if I focus specifically on startups and, you know, the founders factory side of, of what we do, it's we understand the business is solving a particular problem. 
we work with that business to understand what problem they're solving and the scalability of what they're solving and if there's any pivot points required. So working with the business really closely to understand the commercial angles of a partnership because there's two parts to it. One is the business itself is looking for you know break-even and commercial scale and the commercial partner or the corporate partner is looking for access and distribution and potentially share in their revenue. And, and these two lines, they don't always hug each other as they start growing, right? So at the early stage, you're looking at, you know, where can you potentially partner? So if a startup needs a product that you have, you could use that to, to, to leverage the partnership. But over time, you want it to be less transactional and more a partnership itself. Mm. So it's, you know, just to, to summarize the point is that there's no silver bullet in solving this. It's it's on a case-to-case basis and it depends on where the partner comes through the ecosystem. If it's a, a pool where, you know, corporate is looking for someone to support in building something, it's a different uh, version of execution to where we're seeing a really neat, innovative business solving a problem and gaining some traction. It comes with its nuances. So, mm. uh, like I said, we're always open to have a conversation and, and see where it forms because they sometimes partners look the same, but the way you formalize a relationship might be different. Mm. The way mm. you commercialize that relationship might be different. Mm. So, you know, th- that that's kind of the way we see it. Not closing doors, but always trying to see if there's an angle. Right, that makes sense. I guess... Managing expectations then and rejection is obviously part of the process, right? Mm. So generally, how long does it take to successfully conclude commercial commercial deals? I, I'd love to hear your view on this because I'm sure that's largely or is majorly part of your role. So there are two parts to what I call this commercial, winning a commercial deal. There's the signing of the contract on the one hand Mm. and then there's the integration and get so it's like when you earn revenue when you earn revenue and you've signed the contract but you haven't gotten the cash right and so yeah you've gotten a win as in there's an announcement Mm. but you've not integrated yet and so there there's that pattern sometimes so it could be anything from three months all the way to 18 months to go through that whole process but one of the things that I'm a huge fan of is a quick no rather than a really, really, really long maybe that then doesn't lead to anything or, mm-hmm. or signing an agreement or a commercial mm-hmm. partnership deal or an MOU and then nothing comes of it. Um, a, like a quick no is great. We can move mm-hmm. on and find this thing and learn lessons from that instead of a long maybe and a bunch of meetings and so on. And so it's mm. it's that that is really mm. key for me. But getting deals over the line, it could be anything from three months to 18 months, which is also why it's important to have that champion within the organization that can help you move things through as well. And then that part is really important. And then the other part is just being able to follow up constantly and move things along. Anything important for you, newbie? Yeah, I was actually going to just, I mean, I agree 100% with that. Like, the first of all, I tell people, like, the uh, it's for a founder, the power the, uh, to follow up is actually a superpower. Like, people don't, oh. I think people really underestimate the power for uh, following up. 
I know people who actually would not even reply your emails until they've actually like followed up like twice. <laughs> like just, just have, <laughs> have like this like way of filtering inbounds mm-hmm. to say, okay, well, you asked once, let's see how serious you are about this. And then you ask twice, and okay, let's see if you still ask again. And then we ask the third mm-hmm. time, they're like, okay, yeah, let's, let's, let's talk. And so that's mm-hmm. a, that's a, a tip, a tip for folks out there. But yeah, I think following up is definitely one thing. But I think also just very important to, giving people the the, the 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 choice of actually saying no because I think people sometimes founders like of startups actually present partnership opportunities and not give an out to the to the to the corporate so the corporate mm. like you know I, I, when I say the corporate I mean, there's, a, there's, a, there's a person there's an individual here involved and not to like again try to like shut you down or make you feel bad they just keep carrying you without mm. long maybe like that's I think I was alluding to like oh yeah this is mm. good this is nice let's let's talk about it in two weeks time and they have another mm. meeting and like okay let's let's define the scope let's see what's possible oh we're, we're, mm-hmm. we have other priorities but let's talk about it so it just keeps dragging out and that's because you've not also like made, made it away we not you've not positioned this in a way where you actually like allow them to actually say, Oh no, not a great time. <laughs> let's right. let's let's pack this mm-hmm. for now. And so I always say find out when it comes to partnership, like try to give the the other person an out. Because I mean mm-hmm. as human beings we don't want to like again like oh you mm-hmm. I, I mean nobody wants to be like, in the David and David and Goliath situation and say, Oh I, I don't want to like crush you because I, I mean you mm-hmm. you're small and starting out. I want to encourage you and, and pat you at the back. But I think that is even more harmful for the for mm-hmm. the startup who has again in this climate very limited runway. So I think again as a founder what you could do then is like, just Oh, if this is not a great time, like let's let's know when when it will be. If this what I'm what proposing is not even a, a, a problem for you, let us know so we're not we don't keep knocking mm-hmm. on this door when there's never like there's nothing to be to be to be said. Um, there's no partnership to be to be made here in the first place. So because mm-hmm. again, you can come with, you can come with wrong, wrong, wrong assumptions as well as they found out. Okay, oh, this would be a great partner, and, and the truth is that I mean they're not just up for it. Like they have the bandwidth; it's not a priority for them. What you think they are looking to grow is not even a, a core part of their business. It's just that small thing on the side that they just like uh, trying mm. to experiment with. So I think again, just again, giving them giving partners an out, I think is is a is a good one. And then plus what mm. what, what you said around, yeah, just going from a quick no to uh, sorry, a long maybe to a quick no. I think that's really really key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, just to add to Nubi's point, there, sure. I think it's 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 important to note that sometimes it's not rejection. It's mm. it's it's alone. It it might be rejection at that point in time. It's a timing issue mm-hmm. mm. and sometimes corporates just don't know how to respond uh, like Nubi says you, you don't ever give them an out so it's like <laughs> you, you drag this conversation on the second piece uh, or, or piece of advice I'd like to give the, or guidance more than advice is sometimes try and uncomplicate things <laughs> You know, simplified. Sometimes things get very complex, and there's many priorities at play when you when you're talking to corporate partners. Mm-hmm. There's things like priority. There's technology. There's you know there's freeze periods in their IT. They have you know restructures. Lots of things happen. So it's one is to check the timing, and two is to make your requirement or you know the dynamic of a partnership or the ask as simple as possible mm-hmm. at, or, you know at stage one mm-hmm. I mean it, it can evolve over time but I think when you're going in it's not just taking your investor presentation and presenting <laughs> that a partnership presentation mm-hmm. is very different to an mm-hmm. investor presentation mm-hmm. so also be prepared for those you know those conversations mm-hmm. perfect I guess then Sashin what would you say then are the gaps between corporates and startup partnerships in Africa what 
are your recommendations to perhaps solve the gap, if there is a gap even? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I'm going to touch on a point that I, that I made earlier. It's, 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 a, it's a language thing, right? It, it, it boils down to speaking the same language. And the only time you get to understand each other is when you communicate frequently or you're communicating in a way that each other understand. Mm. So I think in Africa itself, I think startups uh, and entrepreneurs are solving really amazing challenges on the ground. And corporates want access to it and to understand it. But overinflating your results in the product market fit stage might not help your case. So, mm. I mean, it always dials back to being honest, being open and communicating in a way that's effective to everyone. Mm. I mean, there's not much I can say around that more, only because I think startups are solving you know, important challenges across the continent. It's just how do you tell that story? And I think storytelling is an important aspect of getting partners to buy into your dream, into your vision, mm. or how do you add to the corporate or the partner's vision or dream and then finding that alignment. Mm-hmm. Storytelling, that's an interesting one. Okay, so newbie, what would you say are the gaps, if there are any, and what would your recommendations be? I think like Sachin was saying there, like the language thing is a, it is a big problem. And I think, I mean, there's no one to be blamed here because again, you're a startup or you're a founder and that's it. But I think again, if you can't build that muscle quickly enough, I think it's just try to see if you can get like people on the corporate side I mean to be advisors I mean a lot of startups as you grow and scale there's important about having a board would have or like a board of directors a board of advisors and so this one's can actually be the ones to actually help you convert that I mean it's like like interpreters if you will so you say oh I, I'm trying to say this and they're like okay maybe say it in this other way and that way actually translates mm-hmm. properly so I think that's one thing that founders could, could do because again it's not like again they're they're very excited, and you see that. And that's like always like context switching. You're pitching to a investor one day, then you're talking to marketing to sell to customers the next day, and then you're talking to employees the other day, and there's, there's another stakeholder you have to actually again know your audience and, and, and adjust to. So while building that muscle, and it comes with time, but while building that muscle, I think again, a, a quick way is actually to, to bridge that gap, is actually get a bunch of advisors who, who are part of your work in corporate, have built muscles in the corporate, who have experience uh, on the corporate side to again, just again advise you and help with that translation and, and go conversion of what you have to say. So I think that that's one gap. I, I don't see a lot of people do that. I mean, when I see a lot of decks, <laughs> pitch decks, and when I see the advices, I'm like, yeah, I get it. But like, I mean, this is one, I mean, one part is missing. Who has that partnership muscle? Who's done partnerships from that side uh, mm. that actually help you really like get into into more into again into corporates and not because they they know how these things go. So that that's mm. one that's one thing. I would say a, a quick one, a quick second one. I will add uh, from a gap is just again when it comes to how partnerships evolve. Like people think, oh, I'm going in to get X and I'm not coming out until I get X. And so they start a conversation and if it's not going as planned, they just keep hammering that same point over and over and over again. Uh, but like Sachin has said, said as well, like you just don't know how things will go. So be really flexible, mm. be very fluid. And you could start with the, again, I mean, an MVP, like what could be the smallest version of that partnership <laughs> that mm. we could start, minimum viable partnership, if you want to call it that, that we could start with and what what does success look like? So when we actually hit those things out of the pack, what what are next, what are next steps and all? So I'd be surprised, I, I mean, I'd be very surprised if a partnership does not actually grow and evolve to cover more grounds. And so people say, oh, do you know what? We also have this problem in this other department or in this other 
country or in this other market or in this other category and you see that oh, oh wait this other solution that you have can actually like fix this and you see that partnership evolve and actually the scope of it actually grow as well so be very very fluid as to like again what mm-hmm. partnership would look like here and again you'll be surprised like when you start small you can easily like again scale down and grow that and when people see results everybody likes to be a friend of success so when people see things right. being successful on one front everybody starts thinking oh what else can we do together uh, and it's better to go mm. take things from there. Yeah. I love that everybody is a friend of success. Well, we've come to the end of our podcast episode. A big thank you to our guests, Nubi, Sashin, and Ayotunde for joining us on this partnerships-focused episode of the Secret Source podcast. I'd like to know, what are your final parting shots? Maybe we can start with you, Ayo. Yeah, so parting shots would be what Nubi has touched touched on briefly in his last podcast point is knowing your audience okay and it's knowing your audience and it's being able understanding your audience so that you can translate quantifiable value when you're reaching out for partnerships because it's being able to mm-hmm. show how you can add value to your potential partner and what you will get out of it that is a key part to moving things along and I understand that sometimes startups are really early and you can't, you don't exactly have the numbers and you're just trying to validate and you have a pilot and so on and so forth. And we see that a lot, especially because of how early we invest and in the in when we're trying to build. Knowing your audience is knowing the right type of innovative founders, innovative partners that, that are happy to work with you at that stage. And so it's knowing your audience to know what quantifiable looks like for potential partners. And if you're too early and you don't have a sense of that, it's knowing the right kind of partners that are able to help you figure that market insights, put testing on a potential pilot and so on. I think those two things are really Mm. important. And obviously it's a muscle you build from constant engagement and constant speaking and sometimes you don't have that resource within the organization. And so you have to lean on other resources, which ties very nicely into mm. what Nubi has said. Fantastic. You, Sashin, final parting shots? Yeah, I mean, I, a few few things is, you know, kind of when going into these conversations, you know, be clear. <laughs> Keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't be married to your original thought. So when you're going in, you have an idea of what a partnership looks like. Don't be married to that. Be flexible enough to be able to change. Go Have more than one option in mind. So yes, there's a version of what you want, but there's also a watered-down version of what you can do to get there. So I think, you know, those are a few things that I would, I would say keep in mind when going into a conversation. Yeah, just keep it simple. Keep it simple. Newbie, what are your final parting shots? I think it's just about to not get carried away to think this is something... That's happening between two organizations. So, like my my startup and this corporate, when it boils down to it, it's human beings, it's people. I think it was actually that said it's a little bit, it's really about relationships. And so, don't get don't get too carried away in like just the org level engagement. See how you can be human. See how you can be personal. See how you can be real. How you can really appeal to people's aspirations and challenges and difficulties. And just again, yeah. Be, try to again see how you could actually solve this at the personal level and that's how you get champions that's how you, that's how you get advocates that's how you say people you get people 
who carry this on their table on their own on their own job as if as if they're actually working for your startup <laughs> within the organization <laughs> and they're like i mean I, I, i'm sure you've heard that person who's always talking about one product or service and you're like wait are, are, they, are they paying you are they paying you for this <laughs> and, they, and that, that's just because they've just again been sold on a personal level and i said i think so just mm-hmm. thinking back down to just say the, the, the human dimension of things and taking that approach when it comes to partnership i think that's that's i mean that that's just first principles i would allow for anything that's built on top of that to be better off so when it comes to even like knowing your audience when it comes to speaking the language it comes to doubt fundamentally again who who is this person and how can i really relate with them i think that's really mm. really really key yeah. I really love that taking a personalized approach to building relationships. Well, thanks for sharing your expertise with us and the ways and founders can identify potential partners within the African VC ecosystem. And of course, thank you to everyone listening. We want to know your experiences in forming the partnerships that can be a game changer for your venture. What part of the discussion stood out for you? Let the FFA Mothership know via LinkedIn and Twitter your thoughts using the hashtag, hashtag secret source. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, that's it for now. Catch you next time.